Welcome to the Challenging the Way We Age podcast, hosted by the Mavericks of Senior Living, Francis and Catherine, focusing on creativity, ingenuity, and inspiration to educate and inspire changes in the senior experience, breaking the status quo. We want to thank our supporters, Assured Assisted Living, Serenity App, Sevens Home Care, and Sevens Residential Memory Care. Now get ready for the next episode. Hey, you Mavericks. Welcome back. We are here with Doug Leidick, the CEO of Asp. Asbury Communities. Yep. Did I say that right? Asbury yeah, Hughes. that should be the easy one, right? <laughs> <laughs> we are here at the Senior Living Transformation Summit in Boston, Massachusetts, and Doug just got off stage just before lunch here uh, talking about innovation. Welcome, Doug. Thank you very much. Very privileged to be here. It's exciting. It's yeah. first time for me. Oh, All right. good. Yes. Well, yes. It's, it's a lot of fun. We have great conversations, and we talk to people who are forward thinkers and innovators, and we're really excited about talking to you today. Tell us a little bit first about who you are and what you do as the CEO and how you came to Senior Living. Well, I'll start with how I came to Senior Living. Uh, I've actually been in the field for 35 plus years now, uh, starting when I was 16 as a nursing assistant. Wow. Uh, so that was that's where I grew my passion for the, the sacred part of what we do, yeah. uh, taking care of the, the seniors and the older uh, individuals. Um, and it was in a high Medicaid nursing home. And so it was uh, a lot, they didn't have a lot of family and then the staff actually became an extension yeah. of the family. So it, it hit me at a very personal level and that was 35 plus years ago. Uh, That's a for, young age. It what was, what it was. drew you to it at the age of 16? Well, the, the funny part is I, I actually used to deliver papers for a retirement community. <laughs> and, and That's I had, cool. And the route should have taken me, you know, 45 minutes. It would usually take me an hour and a half because I'd just sit and talk. So I had all these extended grandparents. Yeah. And a friend of the family who happened to be an administrator uh, said, look, if you really want to learn about this business, come work for me. Now, this was in the early 80s before you had to be certified. Right. as a nursing assistant. So I, I worked everything, housekeeping, laundry, maintenance, uh, all through college um, and in summers. And so that's sort of what has formed my base and keeps me really grounded in my current role as CEO of Asbury, which I've been in for five years. Uh, so I've been an, uh, an operator, uh, executive director, administrator for, for a large part of my, my career, most all not-for-profit. Okay. Uh, but uh, that's what drives me and keeps me going. And then I see the world of opportunities. I've got to say you having all those positions must give you incredible insight to your leadership style when it comes to building that care culture you know from the maintenance to the janitorial to the direct care staff to the upper management that has to be a huge help for you it, it was it is um and it was funny when i was when i was 23 and i had my first nursing home I'm a 23-year-old kid coming in here being an administrator, and you've got staff that were there for 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what's this kid going to tell us? But then when I can start talking shop with them, uh, they're like, oh, all right, so you sort of know you know, you know what we do. So um, you built your credibility really quickly. It helped. And I, was, I have a you know, I was really young-looking face, and it was, it was just, that, that didn't help any uh, right. <laughs> at yeah. the time. And then, actually, that's what's helped create the culture that we have uh, that, that I've established uh, over the last five years, and it's LEAD, and it's L-E-A-D. And the first hmm. the L stands for listening to those closest to the process because I'm convinced and I know that that's how we change the way we do business. That's how we improve the quality of care we give, the new services. And then, you know, there's an acronym for, you know, the rest of them. But that, that was, that's where I started hmm. off with. And, and I, I'm very passionate about that and believe that. It should not be top-down uh, leadership. And when you talk about the data and the innovation and everything we're talking about this conference, mm-hmm. you got to get it from those closest to the process. And then that's how you really start making a difference in our industry. That's awesome. 
that's really cool. But it's brilliant, and a <clears throat> lot of people say it, and not everybody does it. So, how do you put that into action in your communities? Well, that, that's that's a good question. Um, so, lead L E A D. So the D is data, and I and as I shared this morning that a lot of people talk about data, but you have to really make a commitment to do that. So. I've made that embedded as part of our culture, part of our platform. Every time we talk about ourselves, we talk about lead and data's there. You know, in order to get an organization to embrace it and crave it, you, you got to call it out, and and we have, and it's and it's actually become pretty embedded in the way we do business. And I, people say, well, how do you know that? I said because our our associates are starting to challenge us mm-hmm. to say, hey, I need more systems, I need more data. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, okay, okay. so now it's got you more. And when you got 4,500 associates over eight communities in three states, you know, it takes a while, but it's starting to, it's like the snowball. It's right. starting to roll, and now we're going to be able to build that base of the snowman by the time it gets to the bottom of the hill. Yeah. So yeah. It's exciting stuff. That, that's cool. And so you're basically saying that you're actually going to be take the data and do something with it yes. versus just collect it and kind of it hangs out, I guess, you know. More importantly, I'm not going to do something with it. Those closest to the process. There you go. Okay. Uh, and and a, an example of that that I used, if it's okay, I just oh, yeah. into that. Please and, um, do, yeah. Is uh, like turnover. So we, we, we had all this data, but we couldn't, we couldn't mine it. So we have our own IT company. So that was really a great leverage okay. for us. We could repurpose our, our IT company to really go from an EMR, electronic medical records, to all about data analytics. Um. So I was working on leveraging our IT company and said, okay, so how do we switch this? And so before we could get some data and we said, maybe we had a turnover issue. Okay. And we could say a community was high, but we could then go ahead and make some blanket changes, but that may not be the root of the problem. Right. So our data now, we can go from turnover by community, by level of care, by building, by department, by manager. Interesting. And so now what we've done is we can lift up best practices because we know who's doing it well. But then at the same time, the managers that maybe aren't doing it well, we provide extra training. We provide a little yeah. bit more support. And it also has changed the way we onboard, the way we hire, the way that then we realized that the first year turnover is the issue, not one to three or three to five. Mm. So we've been able to really drill right. down. And, and when I talk about that snowball effect, the HR managers and leaders started getting a hold of this information and they were able to like, Wow, this is pretty exciting, and they could just go down to that next level. Hmm. Uh, so that's that's how we're putting it. That's and cool. We have, you know, examples of that across the board, um, in, in terms of just helping us be better business uh, decision makers. And how has that helped you in the hiring process, or changed your hiring process? We're. Um, competency-based. So one of the things that we've done is uh, through our associate engagement surveys, um, everybody says one of the things that was lifted up was that people that are successful successful with us uh, responded that they, they have our jobs because it's a higher purpose for them. Mm. So now when we start talking about competency-based hiring, we start asking questions about higher purpose, about, you know, why do you want to work? Not This is just not a job for a paycheck. So our H our teams have really taken the science of this and really developed a, a competency-based uh, hiring process that includes not only the, the, the necessary skills, but also a little bit deeper. And we have found it. Now, we've just started rolling it out a year, so I don't have any okay. data that says, hey, this has really changed the way we're going. But as an overall system, our turnover has decreased over the last uh, year. Uh, so It's a start. It's a start, right? I mean, that's one thing that in this, I think, aging space is we have to start doing these things and then begin to massage them as you learn more about it. I feel that sometimes people are resistant to try something new because it might not work. So it's really refreshing to hear 
that you're just diving into it and you've got the system and now it's time to see what happens. Uh, you're exactly right. There, There is a, because of the enormity of it. Right. right. If you have not invested in IT or if you have not thought about data, to try to take those first steps mm-hmm. is, is significant. And and people are stretched for their capital. I mean, right. I, you know, I, when I became CEO five years ago, I doubled down on IT. So our annual operating uh, budget for our IT is $8.5 million. Oh, you, and, wow. And I've invested $15 million of CapEx in IT for the last three years. Huh. And I've got another $15 million allocated for the next two. But they're daunting numbers when you're a you know single when you're site, small. Yeah. yeah, and you haven't. So how do you do this? So you know, part of what I want to do is figure out a way I can help others. Cool. Because we as an industry have to start coming together and collaborating and talking about ways to partner. Agreed. Because we can't do this on our own. We have own. to stop the silos. You know, it's, yeah. And, and uh, to be prepared for that next consumer, uh, yeah. which is which is a challenge in itself yeah. um, compared to what we've had. Uh, mm-hmm. People need to start thinking. Can I ask real quick? You said you're eight states, correct? Yes. What no, are those? No, no, eight uh, communities uh, and three states. Eight commu- what are those three states that you're in? Uh, Pennsylvania, Maryland, and Tennessee. Okay. It's very cool, especially with the, I'm sure that, you know, improving your hiring and retention and all that's only going to help springboard your quality of care, your reputation, things like that. And with our recent affiliation, we actually uh, acquired a pharmacy. So I'm really excited about that because you talk about a quality of care life changer for residents and for staff even because we're self-funded. So if I can get our our, uh, staff who are on, you know, maintenance to start buying from us, we can provide a lower cost of prescription. We can save them money. For staff as well as your patients or residents. That is, now that's cool. I think there's a lot of fascinating. And and when I talk about the collaboration and wanting others to help each other, what I'd like to do is take that pharmacy concept and make it a provider-owned pharmacy, create a joint (sighs) venture. So now huh. it's not just an expense for people, other communities, but they're right. part of the quality. They're, they're saving money. They're getting a revenue return. You know, I don't have to own it all. I just want to be help and collaborate and bring mm-hmm. those things together. So it's almost like a co-op of communities for a pharmacy. Absolutely. Now that's really cool. That is, that is innovative. Yeah. That is really innovative thinking. That's awesome. Thinking. That's really cool. Got a, got a world of possibilities. Yeah. For Medicare, for our residents, the cost of prescriptions is a significant issue. Yes, it is. If I can take that stress out of their life and say, hey, look, you're going to be okay because we own our own pharmacy. We can help control the cost for you. I think that's just a, a peace of mind and gives them a quality of life that, that, that they deserve. And, and I think we can help with that. That's. You mentioned when we were talking earlier that you have the communities, but you also have five other businesses. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you've mentioned maybe two of them, the IT business and the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. What are the other ones? We have a home care company, a home health company, and, and a PACE program. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I actually just came with a recent affiliation uh, in Pennsylvania. Okay. Can you just elaborate a little bit more on a PACE program? Because some people for might not. Uh, yeah, yes. for our listeners. Sure. It's, it's basically a single payment for care and services for elderly that aren't in a community. You know, we're controlling the cost. We have therapy, home services, um, uh, non-medical. Uh, well, you guys are busy. <laughs> we are. And most of this is the last five years okay. uh, that we've, uh, you know, I mentioned a little bit earlier, these next seven to 10 years are going to be a, a significant challenge for us in the industry. The product uh, outweighs the demand. And I think we're going to, we're going to fight for every resident that we have, uh, no matter what level of care. Correct. But I also am convinced that those organizations that reinvest in themselves, uh, commit to master planning, get smarter about the way they do business, uh, you know, implement the, the infrastructure for data, are going to be better prepared to make better decisions this next seven to 10. So when those boomers do come, to us, we'll be read, we'll be a, a better position to serve their needs. But they're going to be more diverse than any group we've ever met. Mm-hmm. The GIs, right. the silence. There's three or four characteristics that can really explain them. 
these yeah. boomers are all over the board. Yes. Now, wealth, wealth <laughs> is from one extreme to the other. Correct. Uh, yeah. Some have embraced wellness, some have not. Some want to live part-time, you know, in one state, mm. even in another country. So we're not going to be able to serve, one group is not going to be able to serve them all. But what do we, how do we position ourselves to be smart and say, you know, where's our play in the market? Do you think we're going to have any type of consolidation or reduction in the number of providers out there? Oh, it's it's happening now. It's okay. a, I remember oh, probably four or five years ago, everybody was saying three to five years is going to be more consolidation, primarily driven by the CEOs in, this, in, in the industry who are at all at retirement age. You know, we're not a real sexy field. So we're what is what is that? Ma- oh, so, okay. So, so, board, so, so who can come in okay. and replace them? Okay. Or do they start having conversations with their board if they're single site or small system right. saying, you guys probably, for next step, you probably need to think about joining a larger system or coming together. So that's what's driving a lot of the consolidation. And cl- uh, Interesting. Right okay. Um, but I would say that, uh, and even after 08 and 09, many single sites are saying, I can't weather another one of these downturns, right? Um, so I think financial, regulatory, attracting staff, is this going to be a significant issue uh, for, for organizations moving forward? And, and that is a distinct advantage for larger systems because when you hire somebody in a maybe even a DOM position they know that there's other opportunities because your larger system it could be a it could be a corporate job it could um, be clinical service up path. if you want yeah. to move and we have another community and an opening you could move your family so people are a little bit more attracted you know uh, when you think about it from that perspective and the benefits you can offer as a larger organization but I, I, that's interesting because I think yeah. That goes in that culture, though, right? You're talking about you're offering your staff a culture that they might not be able to get somewhere else, the ability to be more transient or have more flexibility, which, as we heard earlier, is important for the next generation that's in the workforce. So I think that's that's really cool. It is. Lots of opportunities. And if you give them the say, you, you have that culture where they have a say on mm-hmm. how they operate and, and right. what's important to them. Um, you know, we purposely named our corporate office. It's called the ASC, A-S-C-C, Asbury Support and Collaboration huh. Center. Again, very intentional to say, we're here to support and help with collaboration. We'll set the direction. We'll give the vision type thing, but we're going to give you the resources to get there. Gotcha. And how you get there is going to be on, you know, up to you. You have a lot of say in that. Um, and uh, that's working out well. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. I love that forward thinking. It's, yeah. It's yeah. really slick. So you mentioned collaboration. Tell mm-hmm. me a little bit more about that. It goes back to the collaboration of, and I look at this in two pieces of the pie, so to speak. Well, collaboration amongst ourselves, mm-hmm. not for profit CCRCs. Okay. We know for profits are great and coming in here, and they're just, you know, they've got capital behind them, they've got money. Mm-hmm. We don't have that type of money. So the more we can talk about collaborating, uh, I think it will only empowers us. And that doesn't mean you have to give up everything. I'm talking even such as the pharmacy, such as the IT, you know, billing. We all do the billing the same. Why not create billing houses? You know, Houses that that you know a bunch of you come together, but it's also collaboration with those that some view as a threat coming into our business. Uh, one for profits, two the Googles, the the, the, the CVSs. How do you partner with them to leverage their size or their abilities to make your product better or stronger? Um, and we're very purposeful when we talk when we talk about our strategic business partners. They're truly business partners uh, because we pick people that are bigger, sometimes global, because they have a vast amount of resources that we can leverage, and we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Right. And and that's helped. But I, so I think the more we tossed around the word collaborating before it was, hey, you're going to acquire me, you're going to affiliate me, and I go away. Right. It doesn't have to be that way. Right. Um, but that's it's that you talk about a culture shift in the in the industry. That's. 
that's taking a lot of time. Well, you're breaking down the silos. You're, you're, you're really getting it to where what matters most is the care provided through that older adult period. And, and, and you'll, you'll see who else is doing that by these types of conferences. These are the ones that are thinking differently. How do you leverage the partnerships? How do you sit around the table with people you're not even thinking about yeah. and say, hey, we've got this issue. Can you help? Um, yeah. That's awesome. That's where it happens. Yeah, agreed. So we like to ask our guests, who in your life do you consider to be a maverick? <laughs> um, well, I'm not sure if you would call him a maverick. Maybe you would. But I will tell you, I've been most of my career inspired by Walt Disney. Hmm. And it's not not necessarily what people automatically think about the customer service and that perspective. It's going back to when he sat in Florida with a vast bunch of swampland. Hmm. And he had this vision, right, of what could happen. And even long past his death, his vision is still being implemented. Hmm. Right? They're still living off what he wanted to do and growing it and building it. Um, and, and so whether you're a fan of Disney or not, it's just that vision to have that and then to be able to tell that story that it gets ingrained, that it, li- that it lives and grows beyond after you're not here anymore. I, I admire that. I think there's something uh, significant about the way he operated and the way he thought. I think, yes, I would agree 100% because one thing I think is really important is he had a vision and he was going to try it and whatever may be, may be. And I think we need that same approach in aging is we have to begin to get more creative and challenge how we think aging was or is to what it could be. Because I think we haven't even tapped into what aging could be. Absolutely. You know, we have some, some of the best testimonials in our in our campuses, in fact, um, but yet we don't tell that story enough. Um, my mom and dad actually moved into one of our campuses hmm. uh, back in 2009 okay. at Bethany Village, and they were young. Uh, dad was 70, mom was 69, okay. 68, and, but they knew enough um, about the business. Well, my dad died unexpectedly about three years into it, hmm. and um, but, you know, from a, from a, putting my CEO hats off and putting my son hat on, it was great because my my mom already had this well established base of friends, uh-huh. right? And, and a support system, the support around systems her. there. And when the washer goes, she just calls me. And says, I don't have to worry about who's coming in or having to try to figure out, you know, it's more right. safe. Yeah. Light bulb. I know she's not climbing on a ladder to change right. it. Yeah. She's call maintenance, right? That's what we yeah. do. She's independent living. She has a two thousand foot cottage, two car garage. I mean, oh, so it's perfect. Patio. Yeah. And, and I think most of our campuses, you don't go anywhere without seeing a, a flag saying it's five o'clock somewhere. I mean, and there's, there's <laughs> a great social. Event. Yeah. But you know, a, a group of them just got back, I think, last year to California, and they took a cruise up and down the California coastline to the wineries. I oh, mean, that's cool. They're the type of lifestyle things that happen on our campuses, but yeah. people's view of aging right. is that sick older person. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's a sacred part, but there's so much more. We have to do a better job at not only telling that story, but even expanding that further. That's, and that's awesome. sort of the, the, the passion where we want to go. I love that, and I love that Walt Disney was your pick here for a maverick because he really saw a vision for something that didn't exist and that's what we need to do. There's right. There are things about the way we're going to age that don't exist today. So we're looking for people who can look at that swampland and say, I can turn that into something. I see something there. Mm-hmm. Really, really wonderful. So we've talked about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. What would you ask our audience to take action on? Um, I, I think two. One is embracing the whole concept of, of data and analytics and, yeah. and, and taking that first step and, and, and you don't have to do it yourself, right? But then the collaboration part of talking about, you know, 
we have a great opportunity to change the way society views aging. And we can do that with people who are looking to get into our space and say, hey, I think I have a product that works. Well, open your doors up and let them pilot that with you, right? Mm -hmm. One, you become a differentiator because you get to try something new. Yeah. It may or may not work, right. but you're helping develop a product that's going to change our industry and that benefits all of us. So I think, you know, data and collaboration are the two that, that, that I would stress uh, if we could do more as an industry would move us head, head significantly. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's yeah. very accurate, though. Yeah, it is. It <laughs> scary is. Way. Until we try it, right? Well, it, you, just, you have to yeah. try new things and be a, a business partner in that. Yeah. 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 And I think we've kind of touched on this, but how are you creating hope? I'm giving, I like to view it as I'm giving hope to the associates and the, and the residents. And I'm giving hope to associates by having, letting them have a say in the way they work, right? In the way we do things, in the way the way we operate. Um, and I think residents, the, the hope is that they're, they're the engagement, the lifestyle, what do you want and how do we help create that? I mean, we're, we're embarking on a pretty major master repositioning at one of our campuses, 75 plus million dollars. But we're doing what the, the, the consumer of the future and now wants and hmm. desires. But we're bringing them to the table when we do this, right? They're That's awesome. The designs and the, the thought process. That's cool. So I think that's, uh, you know, if I, and then opportunities to say these type of things and on these types of podcasts and, and then talk about the good that our industry is doing that we don't talk about. That's that. right. Yeah. yeah. We're really working to focus on the bright spots in the industry. Mm -hmm. And I definitely would consider you to be one of the bright spots in the industry and what your communities are doing. I definitely love how you're looking at it. You're not, you're looking at it from a broad perspective and looking at it with optimism. And I will tell you, you know, this is not me, right? I, I can set the vision and say where I want to go, but I, I got a great team and, and, and the leadership that that is in Asbury now uh, has embraced this because one person, three people can do this. Right. I mean, it takes, and it's, and we're still not where we want to be in terms of the, you know, instilling this everywhere, but the, the new leadership and some of the, the existing leaders have really bought into this. And, and when they do that, that's when you really start to see things like I'm talking about happen. So, yeah. you know, I just want to make sure I give credit to the, the team. They're, Absolutely. 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 It does take a team. It does. Yeah. 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 So how can people find you if they want more information? Well, uh, Asbury.org, but we also have a new website we started to have people learn a little bit more about it. It's, it's called uh, ourstory.asbury.org. And it's, you know, it's a little bit more cool. about who Love we it. are. And we will Love put it. those links in the show notes and people will be able to, you know, click on those websites for you guys as great. well. So. I appreciate the opportunity. It's been a great dialogue. I, Anytime we can talk about the industry, I, it's great. We I really love appreciate it. Just, yeah, how you're looking at it. It's yeah. really refreshing to to get this energetic perspective that you guys understand that we've got to push the envelope a little bit more, and I think that's so needed. It is. It is. So, so well, yeah. thank you for your time. Thank we appreciate you so it. much. Absolutely. Thank you.